Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we're getting motherfucking dirty with y'all today, you dirty private cunts. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you motherfucking dickholes. Welcome back to the pod. <laughs> you guys, we are talking all about swear words and profanity with John McWhorter today, who is kind of a big deal linguist, not to brag. And he's the author of a new book called Nine Nasty Words. And I feel like we've never really had a conversation like this on the podcast, right, So? No, we really haven't. I think having somebody do a whole book on just nine words might seem like, oh, okay, that's probably an easy lift. But dude, (laughs) the amount of history and research and connections that you you Mm -hmm. form just finding this information out is invaluable and john is also so funny and delightful he is the best he (laughs) you guys he's such a treat so funny we really get into it about all the swears so that part is delightful and yeah i just feel like we talk about sex past present and john does that through words and it's just such a cool angle to look at history and the present day really and how that's changing and also the cutest thing in the world is is when the interview was over he goes i'm so sorry i was a little late i was buying pants (laughs) (laughs) here we'll play a little clip for you guys right now i am so sorry i was late i was frank i was buying some pants and i kind of lost (laughs) i lost Back of time and got back here at exactly one o'clock. I'm sorry about that. Oh my God. He is the cutest thing ever. Like what a sincere, just a delightful human being. I'm enrolling in his class in Columbia. I hope he's ready. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys, we, after this interview turned into the ultimate John McWhorter fangirls, we are listening to his podcast. We're reading the Substack, and hey, now we go to Columbia. So... Exactly. And uh, we've actually got a little name for our fan club. We're called the McWhorter Whores. I think he would appreciate it. McWhorter. Oh, I love it, Sophia. (laughs) Nice. All right. We're presidents of the fan club. Hope you're ready, John. (laughs) Yeah. So adjust your cunt grazers and enjoy this episode. All right, privates, we are so excited to be here with fancy linguist and author of Nine Nasty Words, John McWhorter. And I am so excited to talk about swear words with you today. (laughs) 
we should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, John. Thank you very much, Sophia. Yeah, this is like, we're a sex podcast, but this is like all these words, or not all of them, but most of these words are kind of sex adjacent. So it's kind of like a little different thing that we get to do on the podcast, but I'm excited to take this deep dive with you. So first thing first, what inspired you to write this book? Wanting to write about fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that word is so much fun and it's got this weird history. And then I thought nobody wants to read a book only about that. And so I thought maybe I'll pad it out with the other curses. And then I thought, well, curses these days really is also slurs. And then I thought, well, you know, I'm black. And so N word, I can write about that. And so it just, it was a sprawling idea, but I think many people thought that it was really my way of sneaking in a book about the N word for the obvious reason. Mm -hmm. Really, it was a book about fuck. That's what I was originally thinking. That's my favorite first <laughs> word too. So I'm really glad Love it. That's, that was the inspiration. <laughs> You're like, I'm very open about it. It's just about fuck for me. <laughs> That's what it was. Well, I want to unpack both of those words, actually. So let's talk about fuck. Like, what is the story of it? Because it's gone through like a whole evolution, right? Mm -hmm. There seems to have been a word way back in the midst of time before English was English that meant roughly to swing or to rub something back and forth. And so you can use it for playing the violin or for sweeping something. And one meaning was what you can think of. And so it, it's not actually in Beowulf or something like that. We don't see it in Old English, but you can be almost sure they used it. And then it's just popping up in Middle English in people's names. And so there are people who are named things like Henry Fuck Butter and Roger Fuck by the Navel, who were taken seriously because the word wasn't profane yet. That's how the word first appears. And then it becomes a dirty word and it starts hiding behind things. Those are the best last names I have ever heard. <laughs> Why is no one named that nowadays? I'm so mad, John. Can we bring these We've back? We've got to bring it back. Yes! And you know that there'd be some people who would accept those names and we need to have them. I want to see a Laker game and then the player turns around <laughs> and on the back of his jersey <laughs> is one of those amazing fuck last names. <laughs> what, McButterfuck? What was it that you said? It was it, <laughs> Roger Fuck by the Navel and Henry Fuckbutter. And those, those aren't the only ones. And you would also, you could be sitting having lunch in what was casually called, on a sign, fucking grove, because that's what people did there. And you had this word as just considered like a snicker, but you could have, it was public. People weren't shy about it. And that's part of what's fun about it is that it used to not be a profane word. It used to just be a fun word. But they were using, like, during this time when they're giving people these nicknames or incorporating it into, like, <laughs> street addresses, it did have a little bit of the same meaning. It was just more accepted and tongue-in-cheek. Is that right? You just allowed it. And so, for example, in that same time, if I may, it's funny, I feel funny saying this word even just to be fun. You would have, like, where you would, if you wanted certain services, like, <laughs> for the evening, it was called Grobe Cunt Lane. That was yes. the name of it. Like that, that was a sign. <laughs> that is the name no. of my new production company. From now on, this is incredible. <laughs> and that wasn't only one. That was in several towns. And so that's just what you called it because people were more honest about these things. And so it was a different time in terms of what profanity even was. Fascinating, isn't it? 
It's so fascinating. I love this so much. So is there like a word today that we're using in, I mean, now we write everything on the internet, so there'd probably be more of an early record of it. But is there a word that we use in like that kind of way that we're just like able to use out in public? Do you know what I mean? Is there like a fuck equivalent today? Well, you know, it's kind of, well, for the other word I just used, I'm thinking the way some people use cooch. Mm. Oh, yeah. Remember when Britney Spears, there's a certain photograph of Britney Spears when she was younger getting out of a cab, and I think she didn't happen to be wearing any under things. And I remember hearing somebody <laughs> commenting and saying, Britney, nobody wants to see your cooch. And right, an acceptable word, that one. Well, do you remember coochie cutters? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember the in the 90s, that's what we used to call denim shorts that were like really tiny. They were coochie cutters. And you could just say that out loud. Back in the old days, they were the cunt cutters. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> you said that. The cunt gazers. <laughs> <laughs> but so there is like these parallel rhythms, right? Where like, because maybe in 100 or 200 years or whatever, cooch will be the, th- I mean, cooch sounds so innocent, but another word like cooch that we, you just use, you know, regularly today would like have yeah. the same impact as cunt right oh yeah these things evolve you never know what may become a very 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 bad word i think it's going to be about things other than sex i think we've gotten past that it's going to be about whatever society is worried about or having problems with which is why today slurs are Mm -hmm. so very sensitive bring back somebody from 50 years ago and they would say why are you so sensitive about these you know nasty words for people they're just jokes we don't feel that way because i think we've advanced in that way. The question is where we're going to go from here. And you have to have a real imagination, and I'm not sure I do, but it might have something to do with climate change. I think we're on that point with issues of body image and gender definition, where it's going to mm-hmm. go from questionable to what we might call profane. It depends on what is on the griddle at any given time. So that's interesting. So because sex was more of a taboo, more of these words, older words like fuck mm-hmm. and cunt and whatever are now mm-hmm. like seem more innocuous or you know just like not that big of a deal because we're worried about these other social issues are you watching right now any words that you think might be in the middle of an evolution like are there any particular words in culture that you're like i think these might be well you know i've seen one and i almost never talk about this issue because i don't know that much and it's all so sensitive but I remember knowing somebody who was transitioning about 25 years ago. It was the first person I knew personally who hadn't. And they were talking about what it had been like. They used the word tranny Mm -hmm. affectionately. I'm told now that that is completely wrong. You don't say tranny. That certainly wasn't true in 1996. So these things evolve. And that's one that I've actually witnessed. Yeah, that one's crazy, too, because you'll see it on shows like Sex in the City and like Friends and stuff like shows that everybody was watching at the time. And now it's if you watch a rerun and it has that you like are cringing so hard. Whereas everybody thought they were living at the end of time when those shows were on. Yeah, these things do evolve or even, you know, issues of, of weight. We talk about them mm-hmm. very differently at this point. I don't talk about anybody being fat. I would have had no hesitation 20, I remember 20 years ago. And I don't mean even in derision. 
I just mm -hmm. mean using that descriptively. That's changing. That's becoming an impolite way of putting it. And I wouldn't call it profane, but it's certainly different now than it used to be. And it's because of changing sensibilities about body image issues. So I can see that happening, but maybe in the future, future, it'll be about politics or you know, who knows, the, the impending you know, end of the earth, whatever it is that becomes prickly and sensitive will attract this taboo status of words. So we have touched a little bit on like the racial slur category. So when did those words become much more sensitive? Was there like a timestamp on that? August 2002. Of course, no, <laughs> that's no time stamp. But no, 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 but like a general. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, you know, when I realized something was different, it was it literally it was 2003. I think it was August when a white person <laughs> <See>? said <laughs> there was a time a white person said, well, you know, having a team called the Redskins and I think I'm not even supposed to say that now, and I understand why, but that's mm -hmm. what they said. Having a team called the Redskins is like there being a team called the niggers, if I, if I may. The person said that, meaning it progressively, the idea being right. stop calling it that. And somebody heard the person saying that and took it as the person using the N-word and reported them to the higher-ups, and Julian Bond of the NAACP suggested that this person be dismissed. I remember at the time thinking we're in a new era because that person was just referring to the word. They weren't using right. it and their heart was in the right place. And I thought, huh, it's at the point where it's not a slur. Some people are hearing it as profane. Now, of course, that week in 2003, I'm sure many things have happened before that. But that's when I noticed because that wouldn't have happened in 1995. I'm reasonably sure. I remember 1995. That would have gotten by, but something changed. It's interesting that you say that because, yeah, I think we are right now like pretending to have a very short memory about the fact that our relationship with the N-word has been really like evolving for a long time. And the way that people yeah. make fun of somebody now for things that actually were not looked down upon even 10 years ago, you know, and I understand you have to change with the times and adapt. But I think we're being dishonest with ourselves if we're not saying that, you know what, when we were growing up in the 90s, you did sing along with rap when you were white, you mm -hmm. did pronounce the N word. And the rule was, quote unquote, if there's no hard R, you're cool. You know, that was right. what the rule was. And I remember at an open mic when I was quoting a family member of mine who was using an N-word. And then I was like, oh, I can't quote them because right. it is what you're saying. The, it's yeah. now changed. And even quoting somebody can be seen as violence because you're using a word that is still not a word that you are allowed to use. So, and, yeah, yeah, I think you're right about the fact that it's changing in that way that's noticeable. What confuses a lot of people is that we tend not to talk about it with the history. So often we just say, that's the way it is. Sometimes I think we should say, that's the way it is now. And that's fine. But yeah, very recently, it wasn't just in 1920 that it was different. It was different when I was already getting gray hairs in my eyebrows. It was very recent and yeah. we're just in a different time now. But yeah, things change, exactly. 1995. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about what I was doing in 1995, and it was a whole bunch of stupid stuff. But yeah, things have changed since then. So I'm curious, like, are you a parent, John? 
I am twice, yes. So as a parent, how do you talk to your kids about profanity and quote unquote swear words? More openly than I think some people would think is healthy. I do not teach them that the bad words about sex are bad at all. I use them around them all the time. You do things that they don't do. They don't drink bourbon. You do. They know daddy says shit and fuck all the time. We don't, except in quotation marks, to amuse him. But I don't <laughs> have to protect them from those words because I don't think they're profane. I don't think they're profane in our times. I think, you know, the, as much as I say fuck with anybody I know, why in the world would I tell them it was a bad word? The bad words are the ones we're just talking about, where those are the profane words. But the fuck and the shit and the ass, I just figure... They're both, they're six and nine, and they're both going to be using these words in a few years anyway with their friends and just not using them around me. And I'm using them all the time and not using them around them. I say, screw that. It's like, give them a little bit of wine with dinner occasionally. That's my particular approach because we have different profanity. And so my parents shielded me from fuck. I shield them from the N word and, you know, other things. It's, It's just which words are profane. Hey, Sophia, it's pride season. Are your pubes ready for the parade? Bow, bow, bow! Bow, 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 bow! <laughs> Sorry, that's my pride season horn. It's very bad. But <laughs> I am very excited to get out there. And I do like to show some skin during pride. And I do not like ingrowns. And that is why I'm very excited to make my pubes Pride Parade ready with Manscaped. Yeah, you know what? Manscaped is the world leader in below the belt waist grooming. So Sophia, your bush is in good hands. Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate that you care about my bush. Privates, y'all gotta prep for Pride with the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth Package. Privates, your pubes are gonna be so ready to meet leather, trust. Honestly, it is such a great tool for shaving. You cannot shave with a basic ass razor after because this trimmer is 7,000 RPM. Vroom, vroom, hose. So you <laughs> can use that fancy ass technology to keep your situation silky smooth and to help reduce any kind of accidents that you might be having down there. Yeah, you have to invest in the best new technology and advancements to keep, you know, your grooming on point. And I am blown away by the performance and craftsmanship and details of the Lawnmower 4.0. I mean, the whole thing's on the next level. Yeah, literally never cut your labia again. I promise you this, okay? This thing has an LED spotlight, so you can always have a really good eye on what's going on down there. It has different guard lengths, sizes one to four, so you can get your bush however you want it. You can have little designs in there if that's your thing. I don't know. And they also have the ultra smooth package. It's like a three-step kit. It's got all the products you need. It's got a crop exfoliator. They have the crop gel and the crop shaver. So you are gonna have a whole family of products to keep your pubes in line. And all three of those are vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products. So you know your testes or your vagine are in good hands. And honestly, pretty much no ingrowns. So I think that is a big, heavy bone bone. You know what I mean? Um, And by bone bone, of course, I mean bonus. And if you like bonuses, (laughs) Wow, 
Get 20% off and free shipping right now with the code PRIVATE at manscaped.com. That's right. It's the perfect package for you and your perfect package. So you get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRIVATE at manscaped.com. Prune your pubes for pride season with Manscaped. Mm-hmm. I have an, another kind of random question. Why are so many of these swear words four-letter words? Because <laughs> that's totally random, right? What's up with that? There's a reason. English likes its curse words to be one syllable and to end and preferably begin with a nice crisp consonant. And so fuck is, is excellent. It's part of why, if I may, bitch has gone where it is, despite that it looks like it's five letters. It's book, it, ch. And so uh. that's the way a good curse word should be. Or if I may, like dyke starts out as bull dyke, and then it gets shortened to dyke. Oh, yeah. It becomes a good, nasty word. And that's why our words tend to be these... <clears throat> English likes its curse words to be easy to say so that it can erupt from the right side of your brain and break a window. That's what we like. Oh, that's incredible. And that's why they all have the hard consonants too, right? Because it's like it makes a punch. Yeah. It's like a slap. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah. it gets gets the emotion out. And so, yeah, English English likes that. If anything is going to become a bad word, it's going to start getting short like that. Like even even the N-word, I never thought of this until right now, but if you read people using the N-word in a nasty way, 100, 125 years ago, often nig, they just shortened it. Once again, it made it into the sort of thing that you Uh, want it to be if you're being mean in English. That's just what tends to happen. Nobody says nig now, but they did 100, 125 years ago. And the right side of your brain is the emotional side, right? It's the id. Yeah. It's the little boy. And so that's where curses come out. And so that's why they don't make sense. You know, what the fuck is this? No, that there's no part of speech that the fuck is. It doesn't make any sense. It's because all it is is it's like ah! it's this pterodactyl. <laughs> that's all, all that it is. <laughs> yeah, truly. You could use it in literally any context, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a squawk. That's all it is. John, can you tell us some more about uh, the other nine words? There's so much to tell. It's um, one of the most amazing ones is ass because ass starts out meaning this very specific anatomical thing. And you know, it's a pronoun now. So I'm gonna fire his ass. It doesn't mean what it means. It means I'm gonna fire him. Basically his ass is him except with attitude. And so it's become a pronoun. It goes from buttocks to a pronoun. Say you're looking out a window and you say you have a house guest and you come in and they're making breakfast and they're looking out the window. They say, oh, look, a gray ass squirrel. Now we think big ass pot means a really big pot, but it doesn't because the person says, oh, look, a gray ass squirrel. They don't mean that the squirrel's ass is really gray. If they say gray <laughs> ass squirrel, you know instantly they come from somewhere where the squirrels are some other color. If you say gray ass squirrel, it means that you're surprised that it's gray. Ass is a piece of grammar that conveys surprise. And so it goes from buttocks to this little thing that means who'd have thunk it. Ass is weird. And so that that was a fun chapter to write because you never know where a word is going to go. And so that's one of the fun ones. Or then the, I'll say it once, faggot. Starts as meaning a bundle of sticks. And then gradually it moves into meaning a fake 
mannequin soldier if you're trying to make it look like you have more troops than you do. What you did is you set up these faggots, these bundles of sticks behind the real men. So the general would come and think there were more people than there were. Then that bundle of sticks as a man is something you use to say something mean to a woman. Why you're just a faggot. You're a bundle of sticks. You're a bag of bones. Oh. That ends up extended to children. And so get out of here, you little faggots, which they were still saying in Ireland as recently as the 50s and 60s. Oh then my because God. if you're a woman or a child, supposedly you're weak, you're a gay man. So it's these steps. Isn't that wow. interesting? Wow. Yeah. And so that, that one really weirded me out too. You know, just how do you get from there? That's fascinating. How many years did it take to go from bundle of sticks to a gay man? That took about 400 years. Wow. Lingering in woman for a long time. Like even animals, like it's, who is it? Um, D.H. Lawrence is talking about a cow of his that he doesn't like. And he says, you know, she's tiresome and she's a faggot. And it means the cow. And it means just that she's she's an unsuitable female being. And that's what he meant. And now here we are with this other meaning. So it's really fascinating change. That's crazy. Okay, I have a question about a word. So this is fascinating to me, the journey of this word, because, you know, it comes from an old English thing that we all learned in Shakespeare and stuff, which is like a cuckold, someone that's that's mm-hmm. uh, been made uh, a fool of because their wife is fucking another man. Then there's the fetish definition which is somebody that enjoys watching Mm -hmm. their wife fuck another man. And now it's come to this internet uh, men's rights definition of a cuck, which is someone who is, (laughs) what, like a beta male kind of But it's pejorative, right? Yeah, Yeah. that you don't respect. So can you talk a little bit about the journey of cuck? <laughs> that is a that is a beautiful example, right? You were watching your wife being <laughs> attended to, and that means that you are a weak person if you're going to put up with that. And next thing you know, you are. I mean, I can hear a very vulgar and nasty person saying, "You're kind of an easy lay. You're below." And so next thing you know, you're a cuck. And you know, little guys who smell like axe are running around in Washington D.C. calling people cucks for their. <laughs> Yeah, and you would never know. Such a good burn, John. (laughs) I'm thinking that's something I know. That is something you would never know would have happened. You just sub, uh, (laughs) not subtweeted, you sub-podcasted someone just now. (laughs) That is so funny. (laughs) Hey, just because you're grown up doesn't mean you've outgrown bedtime stories. Whether you want a story to turn you on or wind you down for better sleep, Dipsy helps you get in touch with yourself for some extra sweet dreams. Mmm, I love that ghost dick. (laughs) Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. Find stories about an off-limits hookup with your professor, or a costume party that takes things to the next level, or maybe a story where your partner tells you exactly what to do, or you try a new toy together. 
Yes, 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 yes. All that sounds amazing. And they release news stories every week, so there's always more to explore. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, there is something for everyone. Yeah, and it's really nice to keep finding new favorites. Plus, Dipsy also has wellness sessions that help you learn more about yourself and bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash private. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash private. That's dipsystories.com slash private. So hell is kind of a random one, right? Because, I mean... It's not doesn't have sexual implications at all. It's just like related to the bad place you could go. And it starts out with this bad place and then it goes through all these permutations. And now if you think about it, you might say, hell, I'd even sweep floors, meaning I am so poor that, you know, I would, you know, I would drive a truck. I would I would be a cuck. (laughs) I would even sweep floors, you know, like I would even do the worst thing. Notice that I can say I'd even sweep floors. Hell, I'd sweep floors. Those mean the same thing. Hell means even. And try explaining to somebody who doesn't speak English what even means. It's very, very subtle. We all know how to do it. But I'd even sweep floors. And somebody says, what do you mean? And what would you say? I, I would have a very hard time explaining it. And so hell, I'd sweep floors is the exact same meaning. So it goes from meaning inferno to this very subtle business. And of course, as a linguist, I know what it means, but it, it, I wouldn't otherwise. This little thing that connotes a scale of extremes. And wh- who, who knew? And so uh-huh. you learn these sorts of things if you speak English. But you know what the hell is this? Once again, what does that even mean? Where hell? What hell? And that evolves very, you can see in Shakespeare actually making sense. You know, where in hell could he be? And now we say, what the hell was that? Or even hell was that? A Martian would hear us say, hell was that? And they would think hell meant what? It's just, this is how language always changes. So nine nasty words is partly a stealth linguistics lesson. It teaches you that words are always changing. And with profanity, it's always in these colorful ways. But any word has a history. And profanity shows you that what we're speaking is stage K of what began at stage A. Always like that. Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating read. I highly recommend it to our listeners. Great book. Thank you. What was like the most surprising thing that you learned during your research? Oh, um, yeah, I hadn't known this. That um, cock can refer to a vagina. And not 400 years ago, but like now. I read it in old things. And I thought, really? You know, somebody saying, well, i got to look at my Lula's cock, and it means her vagina. And then it turns up in old blues songs, and you can look up Lucille Bogan, spelled the way that sounds, and she's a Black blues singer. There was Bessie Smith, there was Ma Rainey, as we've learned recently Uh from the movie. The third one was Lucille Bogan. And there's this party recording that she made where she uses almost every one of the words in nine nasty words and it's 1935 it's crystal clear (laughs) and in it she talks about how she has a cock made of brass and she doesn't mean that she's got some toy 
she means you know it's very clear from the context that and so then i i because most of these seem to be black references and so it's funny like right before the lockdown i was at a family gathering and i asked some of the older relatives you ever heard of and and they said yeah especially the ones from the south they said when they came north they had to learn that in the north people only meant a penis with the cock and then i thought well this must be old but then a cousin who grew up in philadelphia and is my exact age we even look kind of alike he said yeah i remember that from when i was a kid i've had to learn that that people don't mean the woman and so that means that people were using it that way in philadelphia as late as the 70s and 80s maybe now i've never heard of it i was shocked the idea of want to see my cock and it's, it's, a, it's a woman saying it and it's not in the crying game that was the thing that i had no idea that I thought, wow, I've learned something every day. We got to bring it back. So <laughs> seriously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone, but I think a lot of women now use phrases that have been reserved by men, like interchangeably. I, and I won't even notice that. But sometimes when I talk about jerking off, uh, someone will be like, well, you don't mean jerking off. And I'm like, what do you mean? I do. It's <laughs> masturbation. And they're like, well, you don't jerk it, actually, because you don't have a dick. And I'm like, but you knew what the you fuck I meant. You do jerk it, actually. You though. do actually <laughs> jerk it. So, I yeah. You do. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's the kind of stuff. And we'll also say, like, in an expression, we'd be like, oh, I big dick them, like in a meeting or something, you know, where you like put your dick on the table. You'll yeah. be like, yeah, sure. they try to fuck with me, but I big dick them. So I feel like. <laughs> Language is evolving to where women kind of use the male kind of terminology in the same way that cock used to mean vagina yeah. as well. Though we also, we own our own words too, though, like bitch and cunt and things like that, you know, I feel like are alive and well. I noticed this in, um, what are those movies with the acapella singing, which I enjoyed? Pitch, Pitch Perfect. Perfect. Pitch right. Perfect. And yeah. I think in the first one, um, what's her name? Uh, Anna Kendrick? Anna Kendrick, yes. I, I think she's wonderful and suddenly I can't remember her name. The Anna Kendrick <laughs> character at some point tells somebody to grow a dick. They're like, you know, what's missing is your dick. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's a good usage because they're women. They don't technically have dicks. But I thought, okay, this is being appropriated. And that made sense. That was when I first noticed what you're talking about. I don't imagine men are going to, yeah, that's the, the men aren't going to say grow a but that's because of the stereotypes but yeah because yeah, i think it would be considered like instead of man up if you told someone to grow a pussy they'd be like what because <laughs> women are viewed as like weak so weak, if you tell right. a man to grow a pussy they'd be like be more sensitive is that what you <laughs> i love that usage actually <laughs> grow a pussy like grow a heart <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, there should be, like, tit expressions, you know what I mean? Like, men should be like, ah, suck my left tit. But they don't say that. That's what would happen. All there is is we can't sit around waiting to grow tits. I've heard people say that. But I'm not ah, sure where, where, ah. where you put that. But it means you're not going to. And so, But that's not empowering. And that's the only expression I've heard of that kind. We can't sit around here waiting to grow tits. <laughs> that's, that's about, it was said with that accent that's about it 
You mentioned some of these originating in the black community. And then I've read other times like about the impact of like queer culture on our language. And then I recently read a thing about how like young girls are some of the best disseminators of language and new meetings and stuff. Have you found trends like that in your research that like different groups are overwhelmingly responsible for these shifts? Yeah. If it's vulgar, and everybody considers it vulgar, until recently, when I think women have moved into this sphere with the sort of the things we're talking about, grow a dick and everything. Until recently, it's vulgar, it's men who did. And so spreading, you know, the richer dick, and then it becomes the penis. We can be pretty sure it was guys who were doing that. If it's below the radar, nobody knows it's happening, and then you just kind of wake up and like, how did the word get there? Women mm -hmm. do that. It's usually young women. And so it's young women that have actually gotten us away from blasphemy being profanity. Oh, my God is no longer taking the Lord's name in vain. The sorts of things that just kind of creep in, you always notice that it's it's women. But because profanity is vulgar, men tend to be the leaders. There's no evidence that women started saying motherfucker as opposed to men. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the literature. I think that's that it's guys who spread things like that around. And it's funny in Western societies, it's always like that. The men do the nasty stuff. The women take the language from he hath to he has. Nobody noticed that, it just happened. It was the ladies who started doing that. Elizabeth was doing it when her father wasn't, that sort of thing. But if it's, if it's you know, big ass squirrel, I don't think anybody has charted it, but I'll bet it was guys who did that sometime in the 19. Well, actually that goes way back to the turn of the century, but it jumped in the 80s. That would have been men because it's, it's considered vulgar. That's so interesting. I wonder if as women become more empowered and like have more like surface level power, that will That's change. That's going to change. Yeah. And it's changing now. I think women are much more comfortable with profanity now than they used to be in the open everyday sense. It used to be that women held back more, mostly, not everyone, but mostly. That's changing rapidly. But until about 10 minutes ago, there was a gender split. <laughs> I think, you know, in America, certainly like black people and queer people drive language evolution and drive slang. And most of the words that get added to the dictionary nowadays, that's how they started. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really interesting because, for example, like the words that we use now, I think some of them are specifically queer or female originated, like, for example, the word digmatized. I don't know that one. Have is, you heard digmatized? No. Digmatized is when, <laughs> like you, when when there's a guy that you know is terrible, but he gives amazing dick, right? So if you have great sex with him, despite your every inclination that you should not, you've been digmatized. It's like you've been <laughs> hypnotized be by that. his dick. Yeah. And, and it's like, I think now women are starting to drive what would be considered a little bit more obscene. It's like, we probably wouldn't have made up the word like digmatized a hundred years ago, but now we're like out here just coining stuff because we're owning more <laughs> of our sexual experience, you know? And dick deets also. No, there was probably no dick deets expression a hundred years ago. That, dick that beats. happens now. No, Dick Deets. Like details. Like deets oh, Dick details. Deets. Yeah. yeah I yeah. got that from Broad City, but I thought that was real. Maybe it's only on Broad City, <laughs> but Dick Deets. And I thought, yeah, that's that's new. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, women are changing in that way. It's an, and you know, we're not there yet. But the idea that women are the doily 
people linguistically. That's changing quickly, and it changes quickly in any society where feminism creates changes. It was clearer in Norway in the 80s than it was in the United States because the Scandies are always ahead of us in things like that. And so now, here we are. And yeah, an awful lot of nine nasty words required for the recent stuff, going into the Urban Dictionary, asking people younger than me how these things are used. I was I was standing in a park, like right before I finished, if I may, the chapter that has bitch in it. And probably 17-year-old girl walks up to another 16-year-old girl and a 16-year-old guy. And she says, hey, bitches. And I thought, that's interesting, bitch. Like, first of all, that it's an appellation, which I'd heard. But then also, he's a boy. And maybe he was gay. But I don't, frankly, I don't think he was. And I thought now bitches can be gender neutral. And I thought that uh -huh. that's interesting. I wouldn't, I'm 55. I wouldn't have caught that if I hadn't been standing there, but it kind of informed my sense of how that word is going. And she's driving that. She's a woman using that profane word. It's become an in-group word, but now apparently you can say it even when there's a guy present and it's not a marker of disrespect. It's not like a guy saying, look at that bitches. That's who mm -hmm. I slept with last night. I have a guy friend who would say that. You know, like he shows a picture take a look at that bitches and we're all guys, not that bitches, because this was a woman. And I thought, boy, that word is changing. I like looking at those things, but a lot of it required me realizing I am not young because this stuff is <laughs> so quickly. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, what a cool fucking job, John. I love it. <laughs> Fuck yeah, John, you fucking killed that book. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Is there anything else our listeners should know? If you know that that cock can mean a vagina, that's what you should know. That's the one that I always try to get to at the end. We did that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's important. Perfect. Where can people find the book and find you on the Internet? You should go to Amazon.com and, and push the button and get my book. It's not expensive and it's small. It'll fit in your pocket. And if you want to listen to me talking about things other than dick, and cocks and things. My podcast, Lexicon Valley, is about language in general. And that is at Slate, and it's about to actually be moved to Substack. I also write a prickly newsletter at Substack about things that are less cuddly than the evolution of motherfucker. But if you want to know the fuller me, read my Substack newsletter. And I also write at The Atlantic. But Nine Nasty Words is my little baby for right now. So I, rec I highly recommend it. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a fucking treat. Thank you. <laughs> what a motherfucking pleasure, John. <laughs> I aim to please. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Wow. Are you guys in love with John yet? I fucking love him. He's the best. Honestly, can we just do every episode with John? <laughs> um, yeah, this is now a John fan cast, and I could not be happier. <laughs> yeah, the podcast took a surprising turn, but we are not mad about it. No, I hope you guys really enjoyed that deep dive into language. I learned so much. Didn't you learn so much? I learned so much. The evolution of the other F word that started as the sticks that turned into a gay man, but somehow was a woman in the middle? Like what? Mind blowing. A woman and a fake Trojan horse of a war situation. Yeah. Like, I didn't even. Action figures. Like what is going <laughs> There's on a lot. Here? There's 
a lot going on. You guys, a lot can happen in 400 years, and a lot can happen in the span of a Private Parts Unknown episode. And we had the most amazing time in Belize. So if let's give them a little, little tease. Okay, so Belize, honestly, this is going to sound so cheesy. It changed us. It changed our perspective. It really did. And I just want to drop this little tiny nugget that I know Courtney and I kept saying that this meant a lot to us, which is that when you ask anybody in Belize how they are, they say blessed. Strong and blessed. Strong and blessed. (laughs) And it was honestly not even a little bit fake or cheesy or not the way that you ask people, oh, how are you? And they go, oh, fine. It's not that. It's the whole attitude. They practice this genuine gratitude all day long. And when you go there as a Western person, I mean, for me, and I'm sure, you know, our travels are going to take us to other places that give me this feeling as well. But for me, it was the place that I have realized more than anywhere else that I've been that I am privileged. I am truly privileged even on my worst day. And so I think that all of us, especially those of us who are lucky enough to get to live a really blessed life should celebrate it the way that the people of Belize do. Yes. And I think privilege, not even in the way that it might sound like we're saying like, oh, we're rich and uh, and that country has a lot of poverty. We're lucky. It's not even that. But it is that too. No, I'm saying I think that's a level of it, but I don't think it's like we're saying, oh, we live in a place that's so much nicer, so we are blessed. No, it's not that. It's what we do with our time, with our lives, what we consider important. You know what I mean? There's no way you're going to come back from Belize and think that the same shit you were worrying about before you left is important. And the way that we talk to people and what they want out of life is life. Is the experience of living, it's being with their families, it's enjoying the incredible country and nature that is Belize. And if you ask the average person we talk to every day, like other comedians, what our main concerns are, they seem so paltry, you know, chasing that five minute set or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's satisfaction in work. I'm not saying that. But I think what we live to do and what people in Belize live to do are not the same. Exactly. I totally agree with that. But also, we do have a lot of opportunities in this country. We go to high school for free if we want to, and they can't do that. And so I think Sophie and I came back, and you're going to hear all the episodes. We also want to do a benefit and maybe help a couple kids from Belize go to high school and do some of those things. And, you know, help some of the other people that we met Because so many people that we met are doing incredible work trying to run great businesses or in the case of Caleb doing a lot of work for the community. They just need more resources. And they just need more resources. It's not the kind of thing where they need white people or anybody else to come in and, you know, fuck up their country or take control. Save anything, quote unquote, totally. Yeah. They literally just need the finances to be able to do the work that they're already doing. As Sophia said, we're totally changed by Belize. We can't wait to bring you guys these episodes because we think you're going to be changed by this listening experience as well. So stay tuned. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb ass music? 
This music is by our bomb-ass friend, Amy Rosh. You can check her out on Spotify. Her last name is R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We oh my love you, You made us the podcast of our dreams. Island version. <laughs> Just a little steel drum action yeah. coming in at the end. Marimba. <laughs> that is not anything that we encountered. We were in police. <laughs> yeah, no. So now it's time for... The review of the week. And well, 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 well. I guess I don't have to yell at you labia lickers, huh? Because somebody manned and womaned up and wrote us a review. Thank you very much. Hell yeah, you guys. Well, I would just like to say, it sounds like everybody even listening to this podcast got cornered. <laughs> <laughs> Because we got a review from Josh Groft who said, Kernered all over my face. OMG, I can't believe I got Kernered on my first listen at 55. So hot. <laughs> Subscribed and we'll listen again. <laughs> if you guys don't know what Josh is referring to, episode 55 is featuring the brilliant sexpert, sex therapist, and author Ian Kerner. And he really. He really took us to school, didn't he? So yeah, far? and he cornered us. He cornered all over us, and he <laughs> cornered all over Josh too. <laughs> and honestly, my boyfriend cornered on me a couple times since that episode. So <laughs> I think that's a success. <laughs> I agree. I feel like you know we've been cornering over here left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, just got over my period, but can't wait to kerner again. So <laughs> I kernered myself earlier this morning. <laughs> I did kerner myself last night. So listen. <laughs> I really hope that this takes off. This is a word. This is a word, Sophia, that's going to go into the lexicon. We got to have John back again to talk all about getting kernered. Kernered's going to be this nasty thing that church ladies are going to be like, don't you dare say Kerner around me. They're gonna, no, they're gonna be like, hey, you are married to Jesus. There is no way that boy's gonna Kerner all over you. <laughs> Brilliant, very apropos ending to this episode. Love you guys, hope you get Kernered tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.